Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. Hello and welcome to episode two of Red or Yellow. Hello, Ed. How are you? Evening. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. How was Germany? Uh, Germany was good. I went to see a Bundesliga game. Um, and I know you're not a big fan of people criticising referees. Never. Uh, but the standard of refereeing in the game I watched was not good. I do. It was a bit like Sunday League. And the assistants... Really? Yeah, the assistants seemed to spend a lot of his time not being in line with the last man, uh, which people like me can be forgiven for, but not the sort of professional <laughs> referees. And spent a lot of time just chatting to the dugout. Uh, as, as though it was a sort of nice little sort of chat in the pub. It was very peculiar. Did he crucially miss any decisions? Uh, yes, the, okay. <laughs> they did. And it was a bit of a disaster, um, but it was fun. Thank you very much. It's good to go and see some Bundesliga football again. And How's there, your week been? Well, I'm just, I'm just aware there goes our entire German delegation of listeners. <laughs> Huge swathe of German listeners turning off. Uh, no, I'm sure they'll be hanging there because they know that uh, law number two is a very, very interesting law. Yeah, exactly. We've got law number two. Uh, but to answer your other question, yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Um, so I've been busy since we last spoke, real busy. Uh, what have we been doing? We had grand finals here. So I was lucky enough to be fourth official on uh, one state, state grand final. I think it's state grand final, like, I don't know, Brisbane-based grand final. It was for QPL 1, FQPL 1, which is like the second highest league that I'm allowed to do, third highest league in the land. Um, so that was good fun, being fourth official there. And all the finals seemed to go well and everyone seemed to um, perform very well. And it all, you know, there was no right controversy or anything, which is kind of your, all you want out of a final. Fellow officials look rather young, I thought. Yeah, well, no, I think it's more, I'm rather old, my friend. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Um, yeah. So one of the games they were young. So we was doing it was under twenty threes. So I think they could get away with appointing, you know, more youthful. Well, they're like in their twenties. They're still adults, the referees. Um, but yeah, it's amazing the difference in what they can do on a field compared to me, just because they're <laughs> young and fit, and I'm old and decrepit. Um, yeah, but no, that that all went off without a hitch, which is really lovely, and it was so nice. Like it's only my first season refereeing here, so to be given kind of the honor of of responsibility for finals and stuff was was really beautiful and, and meant meant a lot to me and then on the south coast we had fqpl three finals as well south coast is like the gold coast area and um that was good fun too um and i think and, I was and is that the season over for, for you now yeah yeah would appear so i had an npl women's game after the on the finals weekend and then yeah i think that's it i've had no more appointments i think um yeah so no, it's been good. It's been it's been fun. It's nice uh, giving the legs a rest. And when does the season restart? I don't know, like January. I think we start pre-season okay. December, January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which cool. is good. Right. What do you want to do? Do you want to go through Law Two first, or do you want to like clear up any loose ends from last week? Well, you, you use the term clear up. I'm not sure I'm going to help clear things <laughs> up, but I, but I I did raise last time the issue about liability. Um, and I know that you went away and did a bit of research and I've done a bit of research. And I, I think the first thing you should say is that the distinction needs to be drawn between affiliated football, which is what most referees are refereeing. That sort of 
leagues which are being administered by their local football associations, which in reality mm. is the vast majority of games that people are refereeing. I, I was only making reference to only affiliated football because that still happens um, in some mm. LGBTQ leagues. Yeah. But so let's just focus, I think, on affiliated football for the time being. Um, I, I raised the question last time as whether or not referees had liability. And my, my gut feeling was that they had potential liability. Um, you, you you did a bit of research because there's a, there's some reference to it in the laws, aren't there? There is, which is interesting. I wouldn't call it research. I literally just looked in the laws, found it, and then sent these <laughs> screenshots. I mean, calling it research is giving me I, far I too much. To you, no, no, you please don't. It's not realistic <laughs> at all. Everyone knows I'm a I'm create I'm a creative type, not an A type. Uh, so <laughs> not at all. Yeah, but like law five, the referee, which we'll obviously get onto later on, says that a referee or match official is not held liable for any kind of injury suffered by a player, official or spectator any damage to property and any other loss suffered by an individual club, company, association or other body, which is due or maybe due to any decision taken under the terms and laws of the game in respect to normal procedures required to hold, play and control a match. I suppose the argument there could be, well, if the referee lost control of the game, that's what caused injury. But uh, yeah, so the laws of the game clearly state whether that holds up in a court of law is a whole other deal, but... Well, my concern is that I don't think it actually does. I think I think mm. that's probably um, designed to encourage people to appreciate that as you enter into a game of football, you do so at your own risk, and it probably would discourage people. But actually, I think there is still causes of action. I know you're not going to like me saying this, but <laughs> and my my reservations, I think, are borne out by the fact that um, when I was doing research uh, online. Lots of FAs um, flag up to you insurance packages that you can buy as referees. So interestingly, most of the FAs flag up uh, an insurance scheme that you can join, right. uh, which covers you for precisely these sorts of things, for people getting injured, and it sets out the benefits to you. So it sort of sets out for you what the potential claims might be and the value of what the claims might be. So to give you an idea, um, loss in, of sight in one eye, um, you get can get covered for up to twenty thousand pounds cover. So obviously, but is that is that for the referee to be covered? Not not yeah. So if he lost his eye, not if a player lost their eye. It it it's it must be for players. Um, it must be for players because if someone becomes injured whilst participating in an activity, they can incur significant financial losses. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's it says here covered. Um, yeah, referees. Well, you're not, you've got me puzzled now because I, I was... That sounds like, thinking, to me, that's like insurance for players. Uh, no, this is definitely for referees. Okay. But uh, what, what you've got me puzzled by now is whether or not this is getting cover for the referee in case something happens to them. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, I think that is what it is. Oh, in which case, then, maybe my point's not... Wow, I out-researched Ed. Yes! <laughs> I'll take that as a win. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I suppose, if anything else, the fact it's in the laws of the game, it deters anyone from trying to sue, right? Because you could just go, well, the laws cover me, job done, and hopefully that would uh, cool off any hot heads as they analyse whatever may or may not have happened to them. Right. Did we get lots of good feedback from last week? Uh, we had some feedback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, well, I you said sound, good you, you feedback. Should, you should sound more encouraged about it. We're going to big the podcast <laughs> up, mate. You shouldn't sound so British about it and be like, oh, well, you know, it was what it was. Well, no. I obviously haven't finished reading through the thousands of emails that we received. The but, millions um... of reviews. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, the feedback, I, I, I've had feedback from various people. Um, in fact, a friend of mine, who's not even a big football fan, very kindly um, messaged me this evening. And he said, I'm not a football fan, uh, but love the podcast. Uh, I found it really interesting. And he said, there's a great rapport between the two of you. Uh, looking forward to the next episode. Um, oh, very sweet. That's very sweet. That's warmed my heart. Thank you. What's his name? Let's thank him. That's Owen. That's thank you, Owen. Owen. Lovely. Michael Owen? <laughs> no, sadly not, no. Oh, uh, no. oh, did you say but, my friend called Owen? Yes, my friend oh, called Owen. I thought it said Michael Owen. I was going to say he is no, into no, no. football. Um, yeah, no, I had lots of people as well just say it was really friendly. Dave enjoyed it. Um, thought it was interesting and stuff like that. So, no, yeah, nothing quite as formal as that other than like the odd message. It was, it was good. Um, but no, it's really lovely. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for everyone who's listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. Oh, we're going to do that at the end, aren't we? Yeah, we can do that. Remind people at the end as well. But uh, yeah, no, so it's good. Um, so look, we can talk about law number two. The ball. The ball. Well, <laughs> I know this, you can't play football well, without it. You can't. But uh, but I mean, I, I said last week, law number one was pretty dull. Um, and <laughs> obviously, you hadn't by that stage remind myself of law number two, which <laughs> I'm afraid actually is worse than law number one. Uh, and there's not even a great deal in law number two. There isn't, which is quite good because it means it's short and sharp and hopefully it will keep people on the hook to listen to next <laughs> Which is week. good because I was late for the podcast. We haven't got much time this evening. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. So the first part of law two is the ball qualities and measurements. Now, like what always, what always amazes me about this is they actually say how much the ball should weigh. So 410 grams and, and 450 grams in weight at the start of the match. It can be between those two. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a set of scales in a referee's dressing room of you. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, I, have, I think most referees do have the pressure gauge. They um, do. And those th that don't have it should have one because it's probably one of the most important pieces of kit that you can have when you take to... Uh, a game but no I've never seen anybody weigh them I think everybody works on the basis that if it's branded by you know one of the main brands it's I don't know what it's like in Australia but if it's size five yeah for adult football well um then it's good to go well that's the thing is it? it's a bit like with the field of play like some of this kind of stuff is kind of out of your hands so don't worry too much about it like no one's expecting you to weigh a football and yeah and also this isn't the BBC you can name brands like, you know, we're not, we don't have to be neutral. <laughs> we don't have to go, available. yeah, we don't have to be like, if you're using a Nike size five, other brands are available. Oh, good. Um, so I'm not, I can't do my fun facts that making reference of specific brands. So. <laughs> do you imagine? I'll have to put I'd a disclaimer in at the end. Um, on what has been referred to as my camp outro. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I found that interesting. Now, this is the other thing I find interesting about it is, I always thought you might remember because I'm not very good at remembering things like this. Of on now in law two, it says of a pressure equal to 0.6 to 1.1 atmospheres at sea level. Right? Now this doesn't really matter if it's at sea level because no one's going to worry about that. But I always thought it was 0.8 to 1.1. Have they lowered that? Um, honest answer. Don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I no, I don't know. Because I always just look at the pressure gauge, which has got the sort of the mm. the parameters on it for what's yeah. a legit pressure. Um, no, so I haven't noticed that. Well, hopefully someone who's got a better memory than me might be able to tell us. Because I always thought it was 0.8 to 1.1. And I even referenced that because we got a question on Twitter about it, didn't we? 
And yeah. I put that in and then I read the law and I was like, oh no, it's 0.6. So I'm wondering if I, and the reason I find that interesting is because I wonder if they've lowered it because they're worried about concussions and heading the ball so much and stuff like that. So you've taken some pressure out of the ball. Possibly. Um, yeah. But I have to admit, I, that's not something I've spotted if they have changed it. But, uh, but it, I mean, I think from a practical point of view, the, the pressure of the ball is probably the most important thing, isn't it? I mean, you're... I don't know about you, but I normally ask at the start of a game if they're planning on using more than one football, which most clubs do have mm. now, that I ask them to sort of show me which of the match balls so that I can test the pressure on all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and you sort of put them in an allocated place so that you know when a ball's being replaced, you don't have to go through that ridiculous process of uh, picking it up and sort of pressing it to make sure it's the right, the right pressure because well, that's exactly. all meant to be done at the start. <laughs> yeah. And like, and the thing is, is, um, with that, I always find if a player, like the, the biggest issue with this is when a player thinks the ball is flat or when a player thinks the ball's not pumped up enough and they start complaining about it. If one of them complains about it, they'll all then start complaining about it. Even if you say, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So my attitude has always been when, when someone says the ball's flat, rather than fighting them and going, it's fine, I've checked it, I'll just say, all right, we'll get rid of that ball and we'll get another one on. And normally the one you get on is exactly the same, but the players just don't realise it and it's fine. Um, no, I was also going to say that normally that ball then goes out and the original ball comes back on and everyone's yeah. fine with that as well. Exactly. And but I like, sometimes players are just going to find the, the, the most irritating thing to try and get to you over. And it's just pointless. It's pointless standing there. It's also pointless, like saying, oh, roll it to me, giving it a squeeze. Like no one's, no one has ever squeezed a football and gone, oh, that's 0.5 atmospheres. Um, or, oh, that's a bit hard. That's 1.4. We can't have that. Like well, it just fair, doesn't you, happen, you do, does you it? Do, you do have a feel for it, don't you? What, what, you know, when you referee, you, you can tell by pressing a ball whether it's over or underinflated, generally speaking. I mean, not I, accurately. But. No, exactly. Not to the point that you really need to be that accurate. But you can go, yeah, you can play with that or not. But I don't think players have that. Um, have that. Uh, I'm not sure players have that. What's the word? Barometer? Would that be the word? like internal gauge within them to be able to know that. Cause they're not, I don't know. They, yeah. Anyway, the other thing we, I used to do when I was a referee, like when I first started was I used to pump balls up quite hard. Cause I'd be like, Oh, you know, I used to, and I used to hear other referees say this as well. And I make it as hard as possible to knock some sense into them. Um, which I now completely and utterly <laughs> like totally have reversed having watched many documentaries on, on, you know, head injuries and stuff um so do make sure you are within the parameters basically that's what's most important there um i would say that you get you uh, at least once per game i'd say someone complains about the ball pressure on to be replaced maybe i don't want to sound like a snob not on my level <laughs> they trust we've done our job properly <laughs> but in the park they definitely do they definitely yeah, do no, absolutely so that's like that's like the physical makeup of the ball uh, and then replacement of a defective ball. So if the ball becomes yep. defective, what do you have to do, Ed? Do you know? Um, you have to, well, apart from replacing it, stop well, play. That, yeah, stop play first. Yeah. Um, Replace the ball, obviously. And then how do you restart then, play? Presumably, uh, if it's just been a free kick that's been taken or something like that, you go back and take the free kick again. If it was... Uh, defective yep. in the course of play, it's a drop ball scenario, I assume. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so play is stopped and restarted with a drop ball. If the ball becomes defective at a kickoff, goal kick, corner kick, free kick, penalty kick, or throw in, the restart is just retaken. And if the ball becomes defective during a penalty kick or kicks from the penalty mark 
as it moves forward and before it touches a player, crossbar or goalposts, the penalty kick is retaken. So that basically means if the ball explodes in midair. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been refereeing and seen a ball spontaneously combust. No, I've had a I've had a ball that's obviously lost its pressure during the course of the mm. game. Yeah, of course. Um, because it's there's been a problem with it, the valve's gone or something. But yeah, that's about as dramatic as I've had. Yeah, and then it says the ball may not be changed during the match without the referee's permission. Obviously, that doesn't mean um like a multi-ball system. That means actually saying that ball's no good to use. We need to find a replacement ball. But the other thing I'd say about that as well is like 99.999% of the time, if someone's moaning about the ball. Just always check it um, out of stoppage in play. Don't stop play because the ball, you think you need to check the ball unless the ball has like split in half or come completely yeah. defective. Um, that's kind of the most important thing there. And then the third part of law two is additional balls. Additional balls which meet the requirements of law two may be placed around the field and their use is under the referee's control. And that's it. That's law number two done, isn't it? Yeah. Didn't we get, we did get, we asked for some questions, didn't we? I sadly didn't get any on Instagram. Clearly, my Instagram following is not football uh, interested. But we had some on Twitter, didn't we? Or were they joke questions? Uh, no, I, th- I think I think they were probably joke questions. Somebody posed a question about uh, why does the ball have to be round? To which um, I loved my reply. Um, what, I can't remember what your reply was. My reply I, was that if it wasn't round, it would be rugby. Correct. Um, what what but, was your response? Well, law two, law two gives us the answer. The ball is not round. The ball is spherical. Is that right? Yeah. All balls must be spherical, made of suitable um, material of a circumference between sixty-eight centimeters and seventy centimeters. So they're not round. They're spherical. But isn't spherical just another word for round? No. Sphere, no, because a circle is round. But yeah. it's not spherical. Oh, see, so it is round, but it's just not, <laughs> it's, it's not two-dimensional is what you mean. Whenever, whenever, Ed, whenever Ed goes, oh, I see, that's basically code for you're being an arse. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that's really um, that's all there is law about two. law number two. Yeah, yeah, we're whizzing through them, aren't we? We are whizzing through. Um, we should have probably... Entertaining way. Done uh, law two in combination with another law, really, shouldn't we? Because um, there's not much to this one. But would you like my interesting facts about the football that I oh, managed yeah. to uh, used, discover? <laughs> used to be a pig's bladder. Did Nike did make those? Did Nike make the pig's bladders or not? <laughs> Other brands uh, are available. Be, it did used to be. A, it wasn't just a pig's bladder, by the way. It was a pig's or sheep's bladder. Oh, interesting. That was um, blown up, obviously, by sort of lung power, knotted at the end. And the reason... Sorry, um, it, blown up by... So somebody put yeah, their yeah, mouth around to, a yeah, sheep's bladder some, and blew into it. Oh, Somebody had to blow it up, yeah. Oh, imagine having um, to do that And then now. to make it a bit more durable, um, and here come the foundations of the football as we um, know it to be, a leather casing was put around it with the purpose of obviously making it more durable because a bladder, right. um, although quite strong, um, isn't going to survive very long being booted about. So that's why it became encased in leather, and um, it wasn't until the 1862 when there was uh, an actual rubber bladder made. It was invented in India, and it was a rubber bladder that you could pump to inflate, um, and which meant, obviously, the ball kept its shape 
Um, and that was so that was the biggest transformation. Um, and then in the f early part of the 1900s, that's when we got what we now sort of consider to be the proper football because they started encasing the rubber bladder in um, stitched leather panels. Right. Um, and apparently the biggest problem about that was that um, it soaked up the water. Yeah, they got really heavy. They got really heavy. And uh, I think there was not long ago um, a case brought by a former Celtic player who used to play in the 1950s. And his claim was, was that the... Um, his pre-senile dementia had been caused by repeatedly heading sodden, mm -hmm. wet, old-style leather footballs uh, right. when he was having his career in the 50s. Right. Um, and do you know, Adam, when the first completely non-leather ball appeared in use? 2004. No. no oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the 1960s. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you're only so out close. by about half a century. Um, <laughs> and that's when it was uh, FIFA apparently still preferred leather um, with a full waterproof coating, um, but they started allowing other non leather balls to be used. Right. And when was the last. Wait, world... I, wait I didn't know. Sorry to interrupt you. I yeah. didn't know footballs weren't leather anymore. Oh, that's why I went we'll 2004. Come, we'll come on to that in a moment. Don't 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 second guess the uh, the next bit of interesting. Facts oh, okay. Because at school, I was always like, we always used to go, "Oh, have you got a leather football?" And like, if you had the leather ball, you were the one whose ball we played with. Well, I think there probably would have still been leather footballs because okay. they were still a bit around. Yeah. But what was the last World Cup in which a leather football was used? Oh, I've got to remember when the World Cups were. I reckon, well, if I was out by 50 years on the first one, let's go with USA 1994. No. So they started using non-leather footballs in the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Oh, I and wasn't so far that's, out. That's when they started using the um, Adidas Azteca football. Do you remember the Azteca one, the sort of very... Distinctive looking football. That was the first time they'd used. <laughs> no, no um, disrespect, Ed. I wasn't born in 1986. <laughs> oh yeah, forget it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the images I, of Maradona. I, I was Maradona I was punching the ball into the goal. If you want to talk about refereeing decisions, but I don't remember the Azteca ball because I was not alive in 1986. I, I was probably only about two or three. But um, but that yeah. So that's when they started using the as two the, or three. Uh, <laughs> You can't slip that in. <laughs> I thought I got away with that for a moment. No. <laughs> okay, I was 14. Um, so that's when they started using the Adidas Azteca ball. Um, but so apparently now um, balls are no longer um, leather. Right. Um, and there's all sorts of high tech um, involved. Um so, for example, Nike make one which is a premium carbon latex six wing bladder. Um, the Reebok do one which is a microfiber um, composite layers with pre-lamin and Tokyo ink printing. I don't think I've ever and, played football with a Reebok football. No, I don't think I have either. And then we've also got gas-filled micro balloons of equal size and equal distance apart using a syntactic foam which is made by Adidas. So the, the ever, technology of the football has gone crazy, apparently. Do you ever kind of think they probably just put all these words 
on it for marketing. And actually, it's still the same football Mita used to produce in the 90s. No, do you know what? I reckon there probably is a great deal of money that go and, and research mm. goes into this oh. because they want to be sort of the next big thing. They want it probably to be the brand that's adopted for the World Cup or for yeah. leagues around the world. And yeah, so it's yeah, probably yeah. a big business if you think and, about well, it. Well, they're, they're bloody expensive, like here. So each club well, has the to have balls, yeah. Yeah. Has to have like at least three balls per game and and like they're all like they it's dictated to by Football Queensland what ball each league has to use, like has to use. And like, you know, the clubs are always saying don't lose them because they cost us like three, four hundred dollars. I'm like, for a football. They're like, yeah, I was like, no. I could get one. I mean, of, I, I, a sports I shop cheaper than that. Researched it for long, long, so for a while actually. But the last time I refereed a tournament where we'd been given by one of the sponsors, you know, mm. some new balls, I remember sort of them saying that, you know, they're about, I think it was like 100 quid each or something. Yeah. They were, they were pretty expensive. So, yeah. So more expensive than you'd need to play football yeah. within like. The park or yeah, school or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you you can yeah. pick up a, a ball that's good enough to play uh, a match with for probably about 10, 15 quid in a sports well, shop. To be there's nothing. Honest. There's nothing in the laws of the game that says it has to have microfiber equal beading. It just has no. to be made of suitable material. Exactly. Do they Indeed. define suitable? Well, exactly. No. I imagine. I would a pig's bladder still be suitable? I don't go and play football with a pig's bladder because <laughs> that probably will become defective once you've kicked it. Um, anyway, I, I was rather surprised. I didn't think I was going to be able to find any interesting facts about the football. <laughs> but, but, but there we go. I've managed to fill five minutes with my interesting facts for this week. And we've lost 15 listeners. Uh, seek and ye shall find. Um, right. So briefly, I don't think this will be a brief discussion. But after our last conversation in the Premier League, there was a bit of a contretemps. That's a good word, isn't it? Contretemps about VAR, was there not? And you wanted to discuss it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's been some interesting developments with VAR, I think, over uh, the last couple of weeks. I don't know whether you saw, but the Champions League, and I think Europa League for this season have introduced a new um, system of VAR, which is very, very good. They're, they're focusing largely on offside decisions, mm-hmm. and they've got the technology which basically produces a graphic which shows you which parts of the body are, you know, beyond the line of yeah. play. And it's it's really good that the idea is they're going to put it on the screens within the stadiums for the for the um, big Champions League games. And mm-hmm. it's just very easy for people to understand exactly mm-hmm. how the decision's been made because they can see, right, was it a foot, you know, which part of the arm was, um, you know, and where. And so I think that's, that's a, you know, a good development. I think the problem that we've, um, had over the last couple of weeks is I think just, I might be speaking alone, but I think there's a growing frustration about the use of VAR um, in the Premier League uh-huh. because uh, you know I don't think people really necessarily understand how it works anymore. You know, so for example, when there's a foul and then it then leads to a goal, how far back do you go to see whether or not that foul means that the goal shouldn't stand? I mean, there was a Chelsea game where. Um, there was a foul that was 40 seconds before and the referee um, didn't go back, but there was another one recently where it was uh, 20 seconds before they did go back. And I just, I think just people don't understand anymore what VR is being used for. Yeah, I think so that weekend, I, I remember seeing a rant by Alan Shearer about it on match of the day. And I kind of didn't really fully understand what he was really going on about. Um, and and it's not because he wasn't being clear. I was just looking at it. Like, I, I looked at a couple of the decisions and there was one, like every single decision 
from what I can remember, overturned a goal, a goal that had been scored because they believed a foul had taken place, right, in the build-up to the game. And I think the issue is when, like, you objectively start looking at fouls, um, yep. you take away the subjective judgment of the referee in the game. So, like, you know, what one referee might view as not a foul and has been consistent through that, through the entire game, i.e. at a, I don't know, jumping for a ball at a goal kick or a free kick or, you know, like, you know, a tug here or a little push there or whatever. And the referee's just trying to let the game flow. Suddenly, because a goal's got scored, the standard that referee has set throughout the game, now a goal's been scored and that might have happened in the build-up to that goal. Suddenly, that standard has been completely undermined and it takes away the subjective consistency of the referee on the field because objectively, they've seen something that is objectively against the laws of the game. Now, I know when I'm refereeing, like, little decisions like that I, I judged and based on a couple of things like the context of the match like if I've got a spicy game and I've got two clubs who hate each other or necessarily you know whether one team's clinging on to win if I need to kill the game if I need to get control back like I'll get more picky about little things but if I had somebody on the sideline kind of objectively going that's a foul that's a foul that's a foul and I'm like trying to let the game flow it, it would just slow everything down I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of VAR getting involved in, in fouls only leading to goals if they're not going to get involved in all fouls on the pitch. And obviously, yeah, they're not going to get involved in all fouls on the pitch because that would kill the game. So then they shouldn't worry. They should let the referee be the referee. Having said that, there was one that happened on like the halfway line and the guy ran the entire length of the half and scored a goal. And he clearly pushed the defender. And in that case, it was useful that VAR saw it because the referee didn't, just because of how fast um, play broke. And so, you know, there's, there's two sides to every, every rule. And I think the other thing with it as well is, like, I looked at the West Ham decision, like, and I can't remember what team it was against, but the keeper came rushing out. It might have been against Chelsea, actually. Goalkeeper came rushing out and, you know, the player, the West Ham player, he's quite tried to avoid the contact. And in doing that, his foot has made contact with the goalkeeper. A yeah, goal's then been the scored. Chelsea game, yeah. Yeah, and they've slowed it down so much that it looks like the player has kicked the goalkeeper when actually, I think at full speed, it looks more like the goalkeeper is trying to take out the player. I mean, there's no way I think that was a foul. Um, because at full, you know, when you slow anything down to the nth degree, when you slow anything down, it always looks a lot worse than it actually was um, in reality. And I don't think anyone on the pitch was moaning that there was a foul there because in reality, they saw it as just natural kind of football taking place. I think that, I think the, the, for me, um, if we are going to keep it for more than just sort of things like offside decisions, I think we need greater transparency. I think that greater transparency would help everybody understand what the parameters are and how people are making their decisions. I simply can't understand why we don't have the referees' discussions with VAR being audible as they are for rugby. I, I mean, I, the only argument I've ever heard against it is the you know the language that you'd hear from the sort of players around because, but I mean that that can be sorted out. But it's you know, not it's rugby, not from the players; it'd be from the referees. <laughs> but, but the but in rugby, it's so it's so good just to be able to hear them discussing, talking through it. And you can see how they've made their, you know, come to their decision. And it all makes sense. I just don't I, understand I, why we can't have that for football. The, the thing is, that the big difference there is rugby is a much more objective sport. 
much more objective. So in rugby, like for, to, to begin with, in rugby, you don't have fouls, right? So fouls don't occur. So um, like, you know, you can judge a dangerous tackle and there's parameters for that. And I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think like video referees ever get involved in those decisions. They leave them to the guy on the pitch, but you can't really commit a foul, right? You can commit obstruction, but that's very obvious. Is the ball in play? Has the guy crossed him? Like rugby is a much more black and white sport with decisions like that compared to football. And that's why you can do it a lot more in rugby because it is, it, it is more objective decisions that it's getting involved with. And that's what VAR, I think, needs to do. Like, look at tennis, for instance. When they, when they do it, has the ball hit the net? Has the ball hit the line? Like, and that's it. Just objective black and white decisions where they use technology to define that. When you get involved looking at fouls, kicks, pushes, tugs, you know, things that are so much more subjective, it, it muddies the water a lot. And that's probably why... That's probably why they're not willing to release the discussions with referees because every week it would be a slightly different area that they're looking at. Well, it'll be interesting to hear. If we, I know that we, uh, I know certainly some of my friends who listen have either refereed both football and rugby in the past. Um, right. Might be interesting to hear from them to get their perspective mm. on you know why they think that you know whether we should have referees mic'd up mm. or not. But um, yeah, so it, I mean, it's it's going to be a source of controversy. I mean, the the the, the weirdest thing of all is is that um, VAR is being introduced into the Scottish Premiership this year halfway through the season. That's a bit strange. Which, yeah, I know. Um, it is a bit strange, really, because that means well, I mean, it's obvious what the problems are going to be. But um, yeah, so. Curious decision, but that's what's happening. But uh, I was only going to raise one other thing, and it's an opportunity for me to promote our um, our Twitter account because uh, for those of us who are following on uh, Red or Yellow Pod on Twitter oh, at at Red or Yellow Pod, I don't even think Red I'm or Yellow it. Pod. No, I don't think you are. Um, but I tweeted earlier on today quite an quite a funny uh, tweet from the Sport Bible where uh, you'll see it on the video. But a referee in the Serbian lower league. <laughs> disallowed a goal after going to watch a replay on a fan's phone so oh, he, he runs a, <laughs> he runs across the sidelines and has this sort of uh you know amateur var moment on someone's phone and then disallows the goal uh i think for, for listeners that's not the way to we, <laughs> you either have proper var or it's not var yes um no hybrid well, um, here, and here in the uk like not in the uk in australia a lot of the games are videoed so you have like this amazing camera that clubs set up and it videos the whole game and then they stream it on YouTube. And we've, I think you sometimes get like guys watching it in the dugout, watching the YouTube feed in the dugout. And then they'll, they've tried to use that against the referee during the game. And so they've had to ban, you're not allowed to watch the live stream in the dugout to influence the game at all. But then at halftime, if you've had a controversial decision, we're always in, we're like, get the YouTube on, get the YouTube on. And we look at it (laughs) and analyze it. And then we, but you know, which makes sense because then we can come out and we can go, guys, we've looked at it. You've got no argument. We've looked at it. It's done. And then, and then they might go, yeah, we've looked at it as well. And you're right. So it, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it hinders. But in fairness, fair play to that referee, willing to have a look, willing to make a strong decision based on better information being given to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, recommend it though. 
I'll also tweet, if I haven't done already, there was a really good tweet that explains the, the changes to VAR for the Champions League and Europa League this season. Um, and it shows the yes. technology and, and the graphics. I'll, I'll, I'll retweet that because that's a really, really interesting thing to to have a look at. But yeah, um, obviously give us a follow. That's one way of which you can get in touch with us is to message us on uh, Twitter. And I think we people know our personal uh, in, um, social media accounts, don't they? Because yeah. we sort of been putting stuff out on Facebook. Yeah. And Instagram so I'm and like, like you can look on Instagram and wherever else. Uh, I'm the gym starter at the underscore gym underscore startup. If you just type in gym starter, I'll come up. Um, and Ed, you're, why are you an Eskimo, by the way? I've never understood uh, that. I'm an Eskimo because my initials are ESC. Right. Uh, and so when I was growing up, I thought if I ended up having my own company, it would be Eskimo. Right. So, okay. Uh, That's quite good. There we go. I, so, uh, so, um, so I suppose the next question is for listeners, if they can't I'm think Eskimo of one. Eskimo 28, by the way. Eskimo on, 28. on Instagram, but you're not on Twitter. On Instagram. No, on, on Twitter, I think I'm just Eskimo, aren't I? You are, yes. So yeah. the, 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 the question I'm going to put out to listeners for next week is, guess Ed's middle name. There we go. There we go. Get in touch. <laughs> that, that'll have the, the inbox full up again. Or, um, or you can get in touch and ask us about the players, which is the next law, isn't it? It is the next law, yeah. yeah exactly. Law three. Well, well remembered. Wizzing through. Uh, which, with a bit of luck, we'll probably do, what, in a couple of weeks' time, if we can. Right, just book it away and, and we'll get back on the airwaves. Right. Well, I think that's it for law number two. So um, what time is it again there, Adam? Uh, it is 6.27 a.m. Right. Well, um, I wish you again a very happy weekend. You too, um, uh, I'm going to have to start looking around for interesting facts about the players, which is quite a broad subject, so I'm sure I'll be able to find something. Yeah, I'm sure you will. 22 on each side. No, 22 on the pitch. Um, uh, right, awesome. Well, thank you for yeah. I hope you have a lovely weekend too. Are you off to see any football this weekend? Uh, no, because of course, there's, there's no oh, um games this weekend because of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. So, uh, or there is some, but not very much. So, no, Chelsea game is the was a game against Liverpool, which was due to take place on Sunday, it's been postponed obviously for yes. policing reasons. So, uh, no football for me to go and watch live this weekend, but I'll be watching some on TV. That, okay. that, that there is should we should we do like a minute silence on the podcast i mean that would make for great listening wouldn't it <laughs> no we'll, we'll, we'll push our respects <laughs> some other way. the way you looked at me there you're like is he serious i think he might be serious <laughs> right you have a lovely weekend my friend you too take I'll care see you soon. ciao ciao bye thank you for making it to the end of another episode of red or yellow you're clearly a very fit listener may I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please make sure you send them in to us on social media. Voice notes or written questions would be brilliant. And we will, of course, include them in the podcast. Have the most wonderful day. Ciao, ciao.